The 2021 Premier League season has started and Arsenal have already disappointed us with a big loss at the weekend. Among the other notable losers, you've got City and Barcelona losing 1.3 billion euros in the span of a calendar year. By the flip side, some big winners, you've got Spurs, you've got Man United absolutely destroying it at this past weekend. You've got Inter making money out the yin-yang from player sales. And you've got my favorite player, the six foot four Arjun, Erling Holland, doing amazingly. You are listening to the Going Going Gooner podcast. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to, to the, the Going Going Gooner podcast. We ain't apologizing for nothing today. The, the plain and simple truth is that we suck. So clearly, Alvin listened to the episode. No, he did. I have no doubt. What makes you think more instability is what this club needs right now? Most likely will make one of the best Netflix documentaries since Firefest. The Going Going Gooner podcast is brought to you by your party station, Z89. Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast, episode 42, Arjun. We are back. 2021 Premier League season is underway. And as I said in a little quick intro there, Arsenal already disappointing us at the weekend. You know, Friday game, we got excited, 3 p.m., excited for the season. Before the match even started, we already had... Very tough news, I would personally say. Yeah, I mean, the, I was super excited for this match. It's the first match of the Premier League season, kicked off the season at Brentford. Um, and, you know, waking up in the morning, checked my phone, I see that Aubameyang and Lacazette are out with illness. A little bit more about that afterwards, what that may mean, what I personally think they're not sick. Um, but, you know, there's a whole other thing with that. But in the lead up to the match, I was hoping that in the absence of Obama and Lacazette, that Fowler and Balogun would get his shot. And that I was hoping that um, Bukayo Saka would start alongside Emil Smith-Rowe and Nico Pepe. I think the starting lineup that Arteta put out was near perfect. I think it was near perfect. Leno, Tierney, Pablo Murray, Ben White, Callum Chambers, Granite Jaka alongside Albert Sambi Lokonga and Martinelli, Smithrow, Pepe, and Balogun making up the front four. Now, what transpired in the game was absolutely less than ideal. It was horrid. I mean, That's the short of it. It was horrid. I mean, it, it was an awful performance, frankly. Uh, I'm just going to pull up the XG stats here. We had 22 shots, four on target, 1.14 expected goals. That's an average of 0.05 XG per shot. That's just really poor efficiency. And I mean, this lineup is inexperienced. It's a very young lineup. Uh, Lakonga and Ben White, obviously, and Balogun making their first Premier League appearances. Um, I didn't expect that much out of Balogun. He didn't really play all that well, which is, which is fine. It's his first Premier League start. But I'll say two players I was expecting more out of that really, really played poorly, Ben White and Callum Chambers. Ben I White, mean, if I can quickly note here, looked like he was a rotating door. He just got twisted and turned in every direction throughout that match. Him and Pablo Marie just don't work as a pair. And Ben White, if that was a, a showing of what we're going to get from him for the rest of his Arsenal career, it's going to be a short-lived one because that was terrible. 
Now, don't get us wrong. Ben White's a great player. We're cool with the signing. He's great. He's awesome. He's got talent. But that was bad. That was borderline unwatchable at some point in time. And in the second half, it got a little better. I'd say in the first half, he was really, really poor. But in the second half, you could see why we brought him in because his ball distribution got a lot better. But I mean, the defender that that was even worse than Ben White was Callum Chambers. He had an absolute shocker out there. He looked lost. And he's probably our best right back, honestly. I mean, neither of us want Hector Bellerin to play. I would rather have Chambers start over Cedric. And, and for Callum Chambers to put a performance like that was, was just shocking. Um, I quickly want to check in here while we're discussing Chambers and Bellerin. It has come out today, uh, the 16th of August, that Hector Bellerin wants an Arsenal exit. Uh, David Ornstein of The Athletic put out a tweet. Hector Bellerin wants Arsenal exit, extremely frustrated. He told Arteta and Edu that he wants out. He would happily take a pay cut to leave. Things just not working for him right now. And Intertalks failed apparently. And there was multiple swap deals hoping to happen with him for Edder Emerson, uh, who's now at Barcelona, I believe, or either it's the Chelsea one. I don't know which one it is. I couldn't figure it out. Or for Kieran Trippier. So clearly he wants out. We've wanted him out for multiple windows now. The hope was to sell him to Inter Milan. But they bought the Dutch right back Denzel Dumfries at the weekend. So that's, he's not going to enter. I, this right back situation was known to all Arsenal fans and to Arteta, but I think he thought he'd be fine with Chambers, Cedric Bellerin. And that's just not the case. And uh, if I could, I'll just, uh, I'll just add on to that. I mean, I think that Hector Bellerin, uh, the fact that we can't get our players sold is a really big issue. Um, especially a club that showed interest in, in, in Hector Bellerin and Inter. Um, even PSG showed some interest in Hector Bellerin last, last winter. Why we didn't sell him on then, I don't know, because the interest is obviously going to fade as time goes on. But with Inter getting Dumfries, who is a far better right back than Bellerin, for a much, much better price, I don't blame Inter for doing that. It was like 12 million euros for Denzel Dumfries, which is a steal. He played so well at the Euros this summer. If he can keep that up, Inter have a really good right back on their hands. Um, but quickly, I'll just talk through the game and, and how it went. Uh, Arsenal had 65% possession, as you expect us to have. It's That's you know sort of expected at this point. So Brentford, uh, I mean, all credit to Brentford. They outplayed us. They knew exactly what to do. And that atmosphere in that stadium was just electric. Just so much credit to those Brentford fans. I can tell they're, uh, they're going to be a team that I'm already going to be rooting for to stay up because they have so much talent and excitement in that team, so much speed that they, they were able to exploit us with um, on those counterattacks. There were some flashes where Arsenal showed, you know, good possession, good um, good ball retention and, and chance creation through pretty much only Kieran Tierney down the left-hand side. Um, but one issue I saw tactically um, was that Gabriel Martinelli and Kieran Tierney were playing together on the, on the left side. Tierney obviously is going to make those overlaps and get up uh, into the box, make those crosses as he should, as he absolutely should. But Gabriel Martinelli was a ghost for this match. He really didn't do much. And the big reason why is not because he's a bad player, not because he's rusty. It's because when Tierney was making those forward runs, Martinelli was going in 
to retrieve the cross. And when the cross wasn't making it to him, he could have no impact on the game, like where we know he can with the ball at his feet. He's so versatile with the ball at his feet, so quick, a really good dribbler, can distribute as well. Uh, and, and we move Martinelli up top as well. Um, and he started making those runs when, when Balogun came off, I believe it was for Saka. Um, and, and Saka was moved over to the left-hand side. Martinelli was moved up top. Martinelli started making those runs. We know he can do that. We know he can make those diagonal runs into the box, but it, it just wasn't coming off. And then Martinelli was taken off for Reese Nelson, leaving us without a striker for the rest of the match. We were already down one nil at that point. Um, so I think tactically it, it was just, it was, it was all wrong in the second half, even though we looked a little better, just the substitutions didn't come off. Christian Norgard ended up adding, uh, I'm sorry, Sergi Canos added the first goal in the 22nd minute. Great goal. Uh, I don't think you can fault the goalkeeping here. They were saying that on the broadcast, but um, near post, I think Leno may could have taken a step or two over, but the strike was really, that second goal is just inexcusable to concede. I turned off the game straight after um, because it set piece throw and I can't remember the last time one of those worked maybe 2016 Iceland but <laughs> I mean overall there are a couple couple positives that I want to highlight and then we can go straight into the negatives because there are a lot there are yeah couple positives positives I want to highlight uh Sambi great debut performance he looks so so comfortable with the ball at his feet makes great progressive passes um, the only question mark is his defending. We didn't get to see him do a, a, a great, a, a lot of it. Um, yeah. but the he issue looked, is he looked absolutely amazing. Like, let me, let me say he was single-handedly one of the best players. That is, the that is it. he, I don't even know how to explain it. He just looked really good. Like he looked dominant him next to possibly Thomas Partey would be absolutely wild that him next to Partey would be a great partnership because he looked, as you said, confident. He, stri he strided forward with the ball, made the right passes, did the right things everywhere. And he just looked very good. That him, Xhaka did Xhaka, I guess, is the, the, the best way to put that. That Xhaka just kind of like was meh. I don't know how else to put it. He was very granite Xhaka about it. Um, but Sambi looked great, very happy with him. Him, Saka, and Tierney are the only players who did anything good in the match throughout that I can say they played well. Saka came on, played well, played decently. Tierney looked amazing. Sambi looked great. The rest of that squad, don't know what to tell you. And, I mean, as we said, we didn't have a striker, and losing Lacazette, losing Aubameyang, and Ketio was even out hurt before the match, too. So we really had no strikers besides Balogun. We had Martinelli, but obviously he also was at the Olympics up through a couple of weeks ago. So he was not in the same training shape as everyone else. He was, but he wasn't in the same play style. He wasn't used to Arsenal again. He was in that Brazilian system. So it was going to take him time to get back. It was the first time I've ever said, I didn't want to see Martinelli start a match. I pushed for it the entirety of last season. I wanted to see him play because he's so good, but I didn't want to see him start this match. And we saw Saka come on later on and Saka looked great on the left. I don't get why you don't start Saka, bring Balogun off for Martinelli later when he's got energy, he's got pace and he can make those diagonal runs late on in a match. It, it didn't make any sense to me. Um, 
but I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say. And I mean, to top it all off, uh, I'll throw it back to you in a second, was the fact that an Arsenal player was at Disney World during the match. Lucas Torreira, who is currently under contract by Arsenal, hasn't been loaned out, nothing, wasn't at the match, wasn't anywhere. He was at a theme park with his family and friends. He was at a theme park during the Arsenal match. He was tweeting during the match while he was at a theme park saying whatever it was, like he's, he was there with his family or whatever. That, that just adds, that adds the fuel to the fire, which it doesn't help us at all. It doesn't help. Yeah, and I mean, uh, obviously the positives that you highlighted, Sambi, I think when Partey is back, he's going to make Partey a better player for sure. Kieran Tierney, as always, was fantastic. Pretty much our only attacking threat up the left-hand side. Uh, Sokka, when he came on, we instantly looked better attacking. And uh, one name you didn't mention was Emil Smith-Rowe. Obviously, one of the most talented players in the Premier League, I think he is going to be so, so, so important for us. He was important for us in this match. He was pretty much the only one forcing the issue creatively in the midfield. I think Smith-Rowe had a good performance comparatively um, to everyone else. The, but I, if I can quickly say on that, I don't fully agree. I don't think Smith Rowe played amazingly. It's he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. I agree. He's a great player, but he doesn't work with how, especially that team lined up that it just didn't function because Smith Rowe is a great playmaker. He's not a great creator. And the entire team lacked any creators at all. Lokanga's not a creator. Jacques is not a creator. Pepe, Martinelli, and Balogun aren't creators. The only other creator is Tyranny. So in the center of that front four, the cam, the number 10, needs to be a creator. And he wasn't that. So that's, it just added to the downfall because he would go forward and try and make something for himself, but he wouldn't create a chance, if that makes any sense. It sounds very strange, very backwards how I'm saying this, all the listeners, but he just didn't perform like a cam. He performed more like how Paulo Dybala would for Juventus. It was less Ozil, more Dybala in the fact that he would try and make a play for himself, but not create something. And that was kind of where I lost faith in him in the match, that it just didn't, it looked like I didn't lose faith in him as a player. It looked like he just didn't fit how they were playing. That if you have someone like Odegaard, which we'll talk about later, I think it would have worked a lot better, but I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't inspired by his play. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to say I was inspired by anybody's play on the pitch in this one. And, and this is where I'll sort of give my two cents on the state of the club at the moment. So this is match one of 38, right? I mean, there's, there's 38 matches in the Premier League season. Obviously last season, Arsenal started off really, really poorly, just like this. Um, I it was such a depressing watch. It, entire premiere for me, it was hard to wake up the next morning and care about the matches that were going on on Saturday because of how poor this was. Um, I have never been Arteta out, and I remain not Arteta out. Um, but I may get there quicker if it keeps going like this. Our next two matches are against Chelsea and City. I have zero expectations of any points from those two matches. It's going to be rough. It's going to be real um, rough. I have, I have zero expectation for any points from those two matches, and, and that's fine. 
uh, that is completely fine. We're playing two of the best teams in the league, probably the two title contenders for me. But this loss hurts. Obviously, it's obviously match one of 38. I'm not going to get carried away with the constant negativity like a majority of our fan base does. I'm not going to get carried away with that because there is talent on this pitch. It's just not clicking. Something's not clicking. And I mean, the signing of Ben White, I'm sure he'll get more accustomed. But I, I say the blame falls on our technical director, Ed, Edu, and, and, and everyone in that front office. Because you have an entire transfer window to plug the holes, and the holes have not been plugged. At goalkeeper, Leno had a below-average performance. There's been talks of bringing in Ramsdale, Johnstone, Onana all summer. Uh, thankfully, the Ramsdale link didn't work. But, I mean, I don't know why you don't bring in a reliable backup um, before the season starts. I don't know why you're so unprepared for the start of a season that you don't have a starting right back. And you have to start Callum Chambers, who puts in an absolute disaster class on day one. I don't know why you don't plug the holes when you know you have one attacking midfielder, one creative midfielder, why you don't plug the hole before day one. When you, when you know that uh, the, the situation with Lacazette can be a little volatile because there's been talks of him leaving all summer. And you know that Aubameyang and Lacazette are close friends and suddenly they're mysteriously out with illness when there was a training video a day before of them together. I don't know why you don't plug the holes. Obviously, Balogun is someone that we brought up from the youth system that will help. And Nketiah is someone that I think should have been sold already. And, and there's still so much dead weight in this team. Like you said, Lucas Terrer was at Disney World. Not loaned, still on the books. Why isn't he gone? Ainsley Maitland-Niles, quality player. I think we could use him sometimes in this team. But he's not going to play. Why isn't he gone? What is holding this club back from selling players and bringing in people to plug the holes like the rest of the top teams seem to do. I don't know if we're a top team anymore. I don't know if we can be regarded as in that tier anymore because there's the four clubs. I don't think there's a big six anymore. There's a big four. There's Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City, and Chelsea. And you can put Leicester, Tottenham, and Arsenal just outside those. And, and even, even then, you can, you can even put Tottenham up in there because they have one of the the world maybe about to be sold and they can fill in their with the money that they got from that deal if harry kane leaves i mean the the state of this club the the amount of pressure that we put on our managers we pressured wenger to leave and look what happened right we pressured emory to leave look what happened we pressure our title to leave what do we think antonio conte is going to do with this team that that emory and and arteta haven't already done Right. What do we think a new manager will do that, that anybody before hasn't already? I think getting rid of Arsene Wenger, that at that point was a mistake. He was the lifeblood of the team. And, and I think bringing in Emery was even bigger of a mistake. And then after that, we became, we became the banter club. Right. And, and after that, you can't bring in any top manager because they don't want to take on this project. They don't want to be run by a bunch of clowns in the Cronkies. I mean, I said I wouldn't get negative, but it, it got negative really fast. It, it really did. But I think the state of this club, we just have to be content with not being contenders anymore until we see some change up top. 
And I don't think that means Arteta. Because like we said months ago, Kyle, who would we bring in that would change this situation? Who? What can we do? And us as fans, we can't do anything about it. Us complaining and moaning on Twitter and on podcasts isn't going to do anything. We just have to sit back and, and, and wait. We can put pressure on the Cronkies all they want. They're not selling. It's just, it's just the short of it. They're not going to sell. And they're going to put Arteta as the scapegoat. But as you said at the start of that was we didn't plug the holes we had. We quote unquote made a hole and thought Ben White would fill the hole that wasn't actually there. We didn't need Ben White. I don't get me wrong. I'm happy to have Ben White on the team, but that was not priority number one, two, or three. Priority one was finding a center attacking midfielder. Priority two, finding a right back. Priority three, finding a backup keeper. Those were the three biggest holes and finding another midfielder. Like we had four other priorities above finding a center back. But Arsenal said, we're going to spend our money at center back and get somebody. I don't, I don't get where that came from. Nuno Tavares at left back filled the hole we had. He filled the hole perfectly of backup left back. He looked okay in the match. He played for a few minutes, whatever. He's a solid backup to the tyranny that we needed. Perfect. You filled a hole. Filled one of the holes in the squad. Next, you got Sambi Lokonga, who we all wanted to have. Looks like a great midfielder. Could be great for us later. Okay. It fills a hole okay for now. And we can, the, the jury is not out on him. It won't be out for multiple years. But cool. That's good. You need an attacking midfielder, a right back, and a backup keeper. What do you do? You say, we're going to possibly buy a new starting keeper. Doesn't make sense. Leno's one of the best keepers in the Prem. Okay, then what do you go and do? Oh, we might go buy Tammy Abraham. Where does that come from? We don't need a striker right now. Yes, obviously. Alba and Laka and Nketiah and Balogun all haven't been great last season. Balogun didn't play, obviously. Nketiah looked awful. Laka looked good, but Alba had horribly wild days off in the matches last season. But he's still a top striker in the league. You do not need to replace a striker at the moment. Is Tammy Abraham better than Alba? No, he's not. He's the same as Lacazette level-wise. Alba's above that. Why would you try and replace a player you don't need to replace? That doesn't make sense. Unless you're getting Erling Holland. I don't care about the striker right now. I care about a cam. I care about James Madison. I care about Martin Odegaard. Screw it. I care about Jack Grealish. Any of the cams you could have bought. But you say, no, we're going to go buy Tammy Abraham and Aaron Ramsdale because that's the replacements we need right now. It makes zero sense. Anybody with a brain could see we need a cam and a right back and a backup keeper. It is not blah, It is not the most difficult thing to see. If I was starting a career mode right now with Arsenal, I would be like, I'm going to buy these three positions first before anything else is done because all three are glaring holes chambers got twisted and turned up as you said he was the worst player in the match for us Bellerin would have played worse Cedric cool he's a good enough backup option whatever he's not a starter Bellerin should not be a starter or even a bench player for us chambers should not be a starter at right back you had ample time to buy a right back to buy a cam to buy a backup keeper you could have tried buying Matty Ryan they said, no, we're going to let him go because then he ended up getting sold to a, a team in Spain. 
they could have actually attempted to buy him for like the 5 million euros he went for. I would have been perfectly happy with 5 million for Matty Ryan. Okay, whatever, it's a backup keeper. I'm fine with spending 5 million on a backup that played pretty well for us. Sounds fair to me. He's going to be here for a few years. Backup Leno, keep us out of, keep us out of the trouble. He can be our new Emmy Martinez. That sounds great to me. But what do you do? You do none of that. You do absolutely none of it. I don't get how that works. I just don't get it. Arsenal is trying to spend as if we are Chelsea, that we can spend millions to get seven of the same positions, and that'll solve our problems. Buying Tammy won't solve a problem because he won't sniff the first team. Buying Ramsdale won't solve a problem because then all of a sudden Leno's on our books and he needs to be sold because he's worth 30, 30 to 50 million euros. It doesn't solve any of the problems we have. I just don't get where they were going with it. You look at Chelsea with who they've bought in the past, especially last summer. They bought a billion attacking midfielders. They bought Ziyech. They bought Havertz. They had just gotten Pulisic back. All of a sudden, they have an influx of attacking midfielders and wingers. They had Hudson Odoi and amongst all of the other ones. What did they do? They got a system to make them all fit and sold off the players they didn't need anymore. The only player we sold off who we didn't need, which I was finally content with, was Joe Willick. We got 25 million euros for him. Where is that money going to go? Is it going to go to Ramsdale? Is that where we're going to put that money for Joe Willick? Really? Out of everywhere you could put that money. You're going to put Joe Willick's money there. Put it into getting James Madison. Put it into getting anybody at right back. Literally anybody else could play right back better than Chambers and Bellerin could. That is just how it works. You could have bought Denzel Dumfries for like 15 million euros. Willick buys Dumfries and gives you 10 million extra in the bank. Why were we even looking there? What, what point is there? I don't get it. You said it. There needs to be change. There has to be. I didn't want to go on a rant today. I didn't think I would. I started talking and here we are. My voice is 10 octaves too high. I just, I don't get why some of these things happened. Arteta is going to be scapegoated. It's clear it's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, I would be thoroughly surprised. Arteta is going to be scapegoated. So is Edu. The Cronkies are going to sit in their mansion at the top of the hill in Los Angeles, watching their teams, Colorado, having a great time. But they need to go. They're not going to go ever. We know that. They're not going to. They're not going to sell the team. The team makes them money. We're not Barcelona. We're not losing $1.3 billion. It's, I just don't understand where the, the transfer, whatever, the chutzpah is coming from. The backup goalkeeper coach who wanted us to get Ronan Runnerson, who I think you can agree, Arjun, say yes or no, hasn't, didn't look great in his Arsenal career. Yay or nay? Uh, looked terrible. They look terrible. So then we loaned him out and he's going to be gone in a year. What does that same goalkeeper coach say? Oh, a player at the same level, if not better, Aaron Ramsdale. He's who we need over Leno. The player who basically kept us into an absurd number of games the past few seasons. Let's get rid of him. We don't need him anymore. He doesn't matter. Okay. He doesn't look great on the ball playing it out. Okay. Understandable reason. But if you're going to bring in Ramsdale, you should sell Leno. There is zero rumors Leno was going to be sold if we brought in Ramsdale. So his wages and his fee would sit on the books and do nothing for us. It, 
it doesn't make sense. If you're going to buy a new starting keeper and your other keeper is a surefire starter in 95 to 97% of the top clubs in Europe, why would you not sell him if you're going to buy Ramsdale? There's no play. There was no plan to do that. The Ramsdale transfer seems to have fallen apart. Thank God. But if you're going to buy him, sell Lena. But they weren't going to do that. I, n- I'm just going to end it with none of this makes sense. I just, I don't get it. I, all props to Brentford. They played amazingly. They played well. I'm now excited to see them play. We both put them bottom of our league in 20th. They might still end up there, but there's a chance they don't now. And props to them. But my God, we cannot, I don't know how we haven't figured out how to buy a player yet. It has been years since we filled a proper hole we had. The proper hole we had, we finally filled last year, was Thomas Partey. We looked like we filled the cam role with Odegaard. We looked like we were going to fill it again with Madison and Odegaard. But for some reason, waiting until the last few days of the transfer window to buy them. That makes no sense. If you know you have the hole there, buy them. And then they've said they were going to buy a cam. We knew they were going to buy a cam. But they gave Smith Rowe the number 10. That is the thing that confuses me. If you're going to buy a cam that is clearly going to start over Smith Rowe, I love him, but whoever they bought was going to start over him at camp. Why wouldn't you save the number 10 for that guy? It, 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 it's a small thing, but it makes no sense. None of it makes sense, June. Make it make sense, please. Um, I mean, again, I, I'll, I'll refrain from getting as pessimistic as I can because it's a 38-game season. There is so much left to go. Um, it's very likely that we could have zero points from three matches, which I sort of expected would happen because, I mean, going into this one, Brentford had all the momentum, like realistically. Their first match in the Premier League ever, their first match in the top flight for 74 years. Um, Again, that crowd was unbelievable. They had all of, they, the cards just fell right for Brentford. I'm interested to see the reception for this team when they go back to the Emirates um, because Arsenal will be hosting Chelsea next week, I believe. Um, That's a huge London Derby. We, I mean, obviously Arsenal beat Chelsea twice last year. So, but Lukaku will be available for that one. Tuchel said, Um, so that'll be a tough one to sort of predict, but again, I I still, I still think there's talent in this team. And I still think that we have to rely on the youngsters because they're, they seem to be the only ones that care. Right. I mean, uh, granted Jaka, it's very clear. He cares more about playing for his national team than for Arsenal. He somehow conned everyone into thinking he was a good player this summer. We weren't able to get him to Roma. So now we're signing an extension for him. And again, I've never been a, well, okay, that's a lie. I have been a Granite Jaka hater before. Yeah, come on now. Go out of the listeners. No, yeah, there, there's literally footage of me ranting. <laughs> saying, so let, listen, I, I lied there, but we'll, we'll move on. But Jaka, Jaka is a player that I think can play well. But the thing is, we rely on him too much. Our midfield relies on the performance of Granite Jaka, and he's too inconsistent for us to do that anymore. Lakonga and Partey, I really hope, will be the main pairing. I think Jaka and Partey still will be. But Jaka and Partey played decently well together. So we'll have to see about that. The center back situation, uh, you know, less than ideal with Rob Holding. Um, 
on the bench for this one. I, I think having two right-footed center backs a lot better when Gabriel Magalhaes is back. Um, I, and, and again, the, the Alba and Laka situation, um, I, Aubameyang is still our captain, but I don't know that he cares as much anymore. Like Lacazette, I, I think with him, with rumors of him being sold all summer long, despite him being our top goal scorer last year, I believe that's got to hurt him because, you know, when he was in the club, when he was in the side, he scored goals. And for Aubameyang, he had a, he had a very bad season last year compared to the season before, which pretty much single-handedly kept us in the Premier League and also won us the FA Cup. So I, I still have a lot of love for Aubameyang, but there are talks of, there were preliminary talks of a swap deal with Aubameyang going to Barcelona and Coutinho coming to Arsenal. Um, I don't know how credible those are, but I, I don't think I would want to lose Aubameyang this window. And, but, but I think if we sell on Lacazette, that Aubameyang is not going to be very happy. And then we would have to bring in a striker because suddenly our backup striker is Eddie and Ketia. So um, I don't know. We, we seem, we seem to be, trying to buy players without selling anybody. And, and, and the fact that we haven't done the overhaul that we thought would happen this summer is really concerning. Every Arsenal fan thought that players like Willock, Maitland, Niles, Reese Nelson would at least be sent on loan, and Ketia, Bellerin. We at least thought players like that would be sent or sold. And the only one who has left is Willock. And, and again, Lucas Torreira is still on the books. So again, it, it's disappointing to say the least. It's, it, it's depressing and it, it, it's, it, it's, I don't think it'll get any better um, until two weeks from now when we're done playing City and then we can finally hopefully get back on track. Maybe we put in good performances but lose against City and Chelsea. Um, but I would like to see more fire from this team. And the only way to do that is, is through the youngsters. I, yeah, I mean, you, you said it best. Um, and I'm quickly looking up when the transfer window ends. The transfer window for the Premier League ends the end of August. So August 31st is when it ends. So we've got 15 days to sell everybody and buy everybody we need to. It, it's not rocket science, as we've said, what has to get done. What we have to buy, we have to sell. I think there's talent in this team. We both agree on that. There's just holes that we need to fill. And for some reason, the coaches believe the holes have been filled, but everybody else says the jury's out and the holes are not filled. And I don't get where the disconnect is between filling these holes and not. I wonder what Arteta, his transfer plan was, and if someone up top did not listen to him. I wonder, I, I would love to see and hear exactly what happened there because I don't get it and I will not get it. We will never get it. Um, and you mentioned the Alba Lacazette rumor to Barcelona. I saw that notification on my phone of a possible swap deal for Coutinho yesterday. I saw that on my phone and I laughed it off. I was like, there's no way this happens. But I'm going to be honest, I don't see it not happening because we're Arsenal. We'll do things that are stupid. Because if we sell, for instance, say we swap Alba for Coutinho or Laka for Coutinho for some reason. Okay. We then have one actual striker and one 
hole in that striker spot that Enketia is going to have to be sold and Balogun's not good enough yet to do. He should go on loan and play for a team and be awesome. That's what he should be doing right now, but they're not going to sell him. So you all of a sudden make this weird thing where, as we've said, Alba and Laka look like best friends. One of them's going to be pissed. The other got sold and then they're going to want out. And then who do you buy? Tammy Abraham? You can't. He's at Roma now. I don't know who you'd buy after that at striker all of a sudden. The option you'd have, Danielle Mullen. He's at Dortmund now. As I said, Abraham, he's now at Roma. Even Ed and Dzeko is at Inter Milan. Lukaku at Chelsea. There's all of the options that Arsenal could have had if they were going to do something like that are now gone. The only other option they could possibly have at all would be to break every transfer record for Holland. And that's not happening. If, if that happens, I will pledge my loyalty to whoever I have to. But there is a negative chance we break the bank for Holland. He is the only other striker on the entire market I can think of who we could buy. There's nobody. Maybe Timo Werner? But you just sold Abraham, and you have him and Lukaku. You're not going to sell him. There isn't a striker who you can currently buy. Even Gabriel Jesus is going to stay at City because they need a backup striker. Even he's going to stay there when they buy Harry Kane. It, you have literally no other option right now. So why would you ever get rid of Alba or Laka for Coutinho? Yes, it fills a hole you have at Cam. But Coutinho's had injuries recently. I wouldn't prefer him over Madison, over Odegaard. I'd want one of those two first. So I don't get why we'd do that. I, I don't get it. It wouldn't be a positive move. It would be a negative move across the board and we'll move on shortly um and i'll throw it to you in a second i just also want to say this feels like a barcelona system issue happening obviously we'll talk about them in a little bit it is nowhere near as bad as barcelona is but it's the same concept of bringing in players and not selling them until they leave on freeze or for basically free and then all of a sudden your books get worse and worse and worse. And then the management goes, oh, how it's all of the managers and all of the G and the, um, like everyone else's fault. It's not our fault. That's what's going to happen here. And I don't like that happening. I don't want to see it happen. So I pray to God we finish this and figure this out. <laughs> yeah. And what, what made this even more depressing is we'll move on now. This even more depressing is that not only did Arsenal lose 2-0, Man United won 5-1, Leicester won 1-0. Chelsea won 3-0, Everton won 3-1, Liverpool won 3-0, and the nail in the coffin, Tottenham beat Man City 1-0. So this weekend quite literally could not have gone worse for Arsenal. Every single rival, uh, as you will, in the table uh, beat Arsenal. But our new rival probably, Wofford, they won yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> our new rivals in a coming relegation fight. Um, they won 3-2 also against, against Aston Villa. So, I mean, this weekend couldn't, this opening Premier League weekend could not have gone worse if you are an Arsenal fan. And let's start with United real quick. So before the match began for them, they did something that we thought was going to happen but hadn't finished yet. They signed Rafael Varane. The thing that we said they were going to do, which would help them massively, they did. I am now scared of this United team. Because we saw the best of Paul Pogba in this match. He didn't even play amazingly. He just played good. And he played, he got four assists. Bruno had three goals. He had a hat trick. I, what are we going to do to stop that? If you're Arsenal, you, you can't compete with that. 
he and Ogle played amazing. Fernandez played amazingly. I <laughs> it's awful. It's awful for us. Kyle, you I mean you predicted it. If Paul Pogba can play like this the whole season, United are gonna win the title. And they and, are. That's the sort of it. They are. And, uh, I'll start with the Varon thing. Them announcing Varon in front of a full Old Trafford, one of the coolest oh, things. Oh, my God. Um, extremely, extremely cool. Um, uh, Sancho, I think, got uh, some game time, I believe. He did late in the match. He did late. Mason Greenwood, Mason Greenwood started up top, netted himself a goal. Um, and, and Fernandez got himself a hat trick, and even Fred got in on the action, which is something Ole said in the post game. He said even Fred got in on the action. Um, so United clearly loving life against one of their biggest rivals as well, Leeds. Um, that rival, that is, is, um, it's old, it's bloody, uh, and for United to come out of it 5-1 on, on opening weekend is huge. Chelsea convincing win over Crystal Palace. No Lukaku, obviously, just yet. Marcus Alonso got himself a goal, I think, off a free kick. Uh, Christian Pulisic got himself a goal, and, and, um, Trevor Trevor Chalaba. Yeah. A, a great moment scoring and immediately going down to his knees um, in tears. Great moment for him uh, to get himself a goal. I think on his first Premier League, in his first Premier League. His Premier League debut, it was, it was wild to watch. Um, and, and, then, and two managers, I'll say two managers that I think exceeded expectations this weekend, Rafa Benitez and Nuno Spiritu Santo. Um, mm-hmm. The Everton match started a bit shaky. Uh, mistake from Michael Keane led to an Adam Armstrong goal. But in the second half, Everton were dominant in front of the fans at Goodison. Fans at Goodison, who I will say are not convinced about Rafa Benitez because of his history with Liverpool, because of the managers they possibly could have had that weren't him. Um, but three goals in the second half, convincing win for Everton. Uh, great way to start out the season. And, and again, huge win for Tottenham. Uh, at home against Manchester City. Uh, no Harry Kane uh, on the bench or in the squad at all, uh, but Hyung Min Son doing Hyung Min Son things. Steven Bergwijn was also incredible in this match. Hoybier, good as always. And you could tell that this Tottenham side is, is backing their manager. It, it, they played, they executed the game plan perfectly. Hyung Min Son said post game that, you know, we know City will have the ball for most of the time. It's just how they execute the counterattacks. And Son pretty much single-handedly executed his own to get a goal, the winner in the 55th minute. Jack Grealish uh, started the match, but I thought he looked okay. I didn't think he looked incredible, but he was he was on the ball a lot, got fouled a fair bit like he usually does. Uh, Ferran Torres started up top, and Kevin De Bruyne came off the bench. And City instantly looked better with Kevin De Bruyne, obviously. He is their best player by far. Um, but I think De Bruyne... Uh, makes that team a lot better. City probably should have had a goal or two, but Tottenham were good. And uh, Liverpool, again, they came out with a 3-0 win uh, with Jota, Firmino, and Salah netting the goals. Um, uh, Norwich actually had majority of the possession, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. The match was at Carroll Road. So, you know, the, the Norwich City faithful will probably see another famous one there again because they have a decent side with Puki, Josh Sargent making his debut. So that's just around the grounds of the Premier League for this weekend, uh, a bad weekend for Arsenal. It was a bad weekend. And I think it's the fact that Tottenham beat City and United won in it such a convincing fashion. And then before the match announced a signing that makes them even better than they are. 
Because the partnership of Iran and Maguire is scary. That is the best way to put that. That is going to be a very scary partnership because Maguire is going to attempt to play like Ramos did. He's going to be the weird, like, I'm just going to hit into you kind of center back. And Varane's going to play how he does. You've got a great team around him. I, that is scary. Um, and it, it's, it's worrisome for Arsenal to see this happen. And the fact that we do have to now face Chelsea and City back-to-back is even scarier. Because Arjun, that City match could very well be Harry Kane's first for them. That's what that could be. If he doesn't sign at next by next weekend, his first match for City could be against Arsenal. And I personally, that would be our luck. That really would be our luck. That his first match would be him, a healthy De Bruyne, Grealish, the entire squad back. That would be our luck. We'd run into a full power with Harry Kane, Man City squad in our third match of the season. And going to be honest, we would get stomped. We would get absolutely stomped on if we played the way we did today. If we play the way we did, uh, sorry, on Friday, and we face that City squad, Zbrojna would have two hat tricks by halftime. <laughs> it would be a slaughter. And the Harry Kane against Arsenal, but I, I think uh, the Kane situation is, is so dicey. I think City are going to go in for him, but I don't know if they're going to be able to get him. Um, City really do need a striker, though, because Ferran Torres is not a classic classic number nine. I don't think they can sustain a false nine for the whole season unless you have Phil Foden in there. Um, Gabriel Jesus, I don't think, is all that for a team of the quality of Manchester City. But if they're able to snap up Kane, then the title race changes again. If they're not able to snap up Kane, then Tottenham suddenly become a threat once more. But again, all that speculation and the last two weeks of the transfer window for Arsenal end up being when we make some signing. So we'll have to see what happens with um, the last two weeks. I think the most likely signing to happen is Odegaard because I think he does want to leave Real. Arsenal are waiting on Real to make a bid. Uh, Arsenal are waiting on Real to be allowed to make a bid for Martin Odegaard. So um, again, the, the debate over who we'd rather have, Madison or Odegaard, is, is futile. They're not going to listen to the fans. They're going to go for who is most cost-effective, who I think is Odegaard. Madison is just way too much money, I think. Um, and that'll hopefully allow Smith Rowe to be able to have some more creative freedom out on the wings. Because like you said, I think Smith Rowe plays better as a winger who can drift inside. And Odegaard really does play that Ozil role. Who can, who can just one-touch pass, distribute, have the vision. Um, he's not really uh, uh, as direct as Smith Rowe, and having both of them play together could be, could be really fruitful for us. But I think that's the only rumor that I think is super credible. Yeah. One player, Odegaard. Um, and I just don't think there aren't really any outgoing rumors either. Because, I mean, Bellerin, you hear he's disgruntled, but there's really nothing, no clubs are in for him. For players like Nketia and Maitland-Niles, Leicester showed interest in Maitland-Niles. But, you know, if, if we wanted that to happen, it probably would have been a swap deal with, you know, Madison. But, you know, Leicester asking for too much money plus Maitland-Niles. So, I mean, the transfer window doesn't look like it's where we're going to get it done. I think we no. just have to do it on the pitch with the squad we currently have. 
And I mean, like, I don't get why there's no outgoing rumors for any of our players, why we aren't attempting to at least shop them. I mean, we need to get rid of Bellerin. We need to get rid of Kolasinac. We should get rid of Torreira. Maitland Niles could be gone. And then I'm fine to keep. Uh, Willian, I want him to be long gone. He didn't, wasn't even in the squad for the match, thank heavens, but he should be chucked out of here and given his bags on the way out. Uh, Renice Nelson could be sold or loaned out and Katia the same. There's too many people that are still here that we have to get rid of. And it's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, but a club that also has had its fair share, I think we would say, of uh, issues with money, Arjun, is the team we've discussed. We had a whole episode about it, is Barcelona. Uh, obviously, Messi is gone. He is not a Barca player anymore. We do know that. But it came out today during a press conference with Joan Laporta that, in essence, Barcelona is swimming in debt. Uh, Joan Laporta said the debt is 1.35 billion euros. Um, and just to even give you an idea, apparently they were playing, they were paying 8 million to a guy to scout one country in South America, 8 million a year, just to scout some guy in South America. That's what they were doing. The wage cap, wage cap according to Laporta for this season is 227 million euros. The previous board's proposal was for 600 million. They thought it would be 600 million, which is where they expected it to be with no pandemic, no nothing. So they had to cut 400 million off of their wage. That's crazy. These numbers, I wish I was lying when I said them. This is what Laporta's reporting. And the 222 million, according to him, for Neymar, the money they got from PSG, was quote unquote, spent at the speed of light. That's crazy. This is, it's legitimately crazy to read all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the short. And when, when Messi left, the, the narrative was, oh, why didn't Messi take a pay cut to play for his club? He, even if he played for free, he wouldn't have been able to stay. Um, it's, it's, it's just such a bad situation that Bartomeu put them in. Um, I really feel for everyone involved. PK yesterday, or, or not yesterday, a couple days ago, said that he will take a pay cut um, to help the club financially. Uh, PK ended up scoring a goal yesterday in Barcelona's 3-1 win over Real Sociedad. And then after the match, he revealed that Sergi Roberto, Busquets, and Jordi Alba will also cut their wages. So, I mean, obviously, those players have been loyal to the club for a very, very long time, uh, helping the club financially. Um, I'll still be following Barcelona and, and, and where they go in, in La Liga from here, but they looked really good yesterday against Real Sociedad. I managed to watch that game La Liga on ESPN now. Um, I'm sure ESPN aren't very happy with the departure of Lionel Messi because that, you know, it reduces watching interest a little bit, but uh, I think, oh, pardon me, it was a 4-2 win, not yeah. 3-1 win, but, um, but uh, Braithwaite got himself two goals and, and PK got himself a goal. Um, so Barcelona, I mean, I, I think they'll be fine, especially, I don't think Real Madrid have done all that much in this window, but there are rumors swirling as we saw right before starting to record this episode mm. that Mbappe may be headed to Real Madrid, Ronaldo may be headed to PSG. Those are really, really preliminary rumors. And I don't, I think that's something that we'll be talking about next week. If anything comes of it, 
But if Ronaldo ends up going to PSG, we might have to do another emergency podcast, Kyle, uh-huh. because that would be massive. Um, would be right like, now, it's just a Twitter trend. That would be like putting... Yeah, as of right now, it's just a Twitter trend and, you know, nothing big happening of it. That would be the equivalent of putting LeBron, Kobe Bryant, and Tim Duncan on the same team in their primes in like 08 or something. It would be, it'd be crazy. Um, the last thing I do want to discuss, though, Arjun, the player I've mentioned about a billion times this episode, for different reasons. Erling Holland. Uh, I, again, through ESPN, got to catch the Dortmund match, and I am going to be watching them all season. I love Dortmund. They're, they are my number two team behind Arsenal. They have been for years. Um, and I was watching this match, and Dortmund won 5-2 the match. Holland single-handedly put in like three or four goals on his own, essentially. He, he scored one and assisted on one, but everything else he did in the match was just, he is a difference maker. This kid is different. In the two matches they've played this season, they played one Bundesliga match and I believe one cup match of some kind. I don't know if it was DFB Pokal, but it was some cup match of some sort. He has a total of eight goal contributions in two matches. He has, I believe, five goals and three assists. In his career at Dortmund, in 61 matches, he has 62 goals and 18 assists. That's crazy. He's putting in over, he's putting a goal and like 1.25 goals a match or something like that, if my math is right in my head. Like one, he's putting in a goal and a quarter a game. Every five matches, he's, he's contributed six goals. What? <laughs> That's... Uh-huh. As, as much as I as much as I love Holland, um, I would say I would the the leaders of the Holland stand club are you and Fabrizio Romano, Kyle. They I are. mean, as much as I love the guy, there's I don't think I could I could except for Messi, I don't think I could love a player as much as you guys love Erling Holland. But I I, I just his energy is just so. Oh, I love it. I love him. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to try and watch more Bundesliga, especially if the Premier League continues to depress me like this. But um, the, the Bundesliga and La Liga, both more accessible for Americans to watch. Great. The Serie A has been, you know, on ESPN networks recently as well. Mm. The only thing missing now is the best player in the world. Uh, Ligue on PSG, that's going to be a little tougher to watch, but uh, we know how to find a way. Kyle. We'll, we'll find a way. There is always a way. Uh, and Arjun, who do we play at this weekend? Remind the listeners we play at this weekend really quickly. As we've mentioned about 15 times, we will play Chelsea next Sunday. It is a 4.30 p.m. kickoff in the U.K. And, I mean, we got to predict it, Arjun. Um, I don't think we want to predict this match because it could either go really well or it could go really poorly. Um I, based on the last performance, tend to lean to the latter than the former. Um, But I want to know what your thoughts are on this match. Obviously, as you've said, it's going to be a Romelu Lukaku show. He is going to play for Chelsea. Um, How how do we perform in this match? (laughs) I think I don't. I've always said I don't think Lukaku will start off to a flyer. Otherwise, I think he'd be front runner for Golden Boot. I've got Salah winning the Golden Boot. Obviously, he scored himself a goal this weekend. I don't think Lukaku will get off to a flyer, but I think Chelsea will still dominate and win the match 2-0. 
I'm thinking they win 3-1. I think we get first goal, and after that, it is all downhill. I think we get a, a brilliance in the first 10 minutes where it's either Alba or Laka scores in their first match back. It's, it's a crazy moment for us. We get so excited on Twitter. And then within about 30 minutes, we're down 3-1, and that's how the match ends. Is It's going to go from 100 to 0 real quick for us. Uh, I, I am nervous. And if assuming Gabrielle Magalhães doesn't play at center back, and it is Pablo Marie again, and assuming we somehow don't buy Odegaard, uh, and it's still Smith Rowe, the same starting kind of squad with Saka, I, I get personally very nervous. Um, we obviously will not have Thomas Partey probably at the end of August either, so for the transfer window. Um, I am nervous, same as you. We're both predicting we lose by two. I'm thinking 3-1, you think 2-0. We'll have to wait and see. Again, you can find us on Twitter at ggunerpod for all of your coverage of the Arsenal match, along with all Saints news, along with the rest of the Premier League and the rest of the world in terms of highlights and matches. I personally will be tweeting more from the account, getting more highlights out there. Uh, anything from uh, my love, Erling Holland to Gerard Piquet goals, to Ronaldo news, Messi news, Barcelona news, whatever it is. I will try and get as many tweets out there as possible. Arjun is going to be doing the same. So make sure to tune in there at GG Gunner Pod for all of that coverage. Arjun, it's time to wrap up episode 42. Thank you all for listening, for tuning in, being great listeners. Hopefully we'll have a bit of a brighter mood next week. Um, hopefully you beat Chelsea and we can really be excited. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see, won't we? <laughs> yep. And I'm not excited for the Chelsea match as I was for the Brentford match, but we will have to see how it goes. And, you know, it's always um, a fun time in the London Derby. I'm honestly more excited to see how loud the Emirates boos this team 